welcome to Backboard Banter on the board with your hosts, Matt Middleton and Kevin Rayner, where the banter's as ferocious as Habs and Leaf fans on Twitter for the next two weeks, my friend. Bro, a playoff series between some of the original six? It's going to be beautiful, my man. First time since 1979. 42 years, buddy. That is a long time to wait through this. Uh, never seen it in my lifetime, so I'm pretty excited about it. Though, I do have my nervous feelings that Toronto might just sweep them, which could hurt. Oh, that, that might be a little painful, but hey, like I say all the time, it's Toronto, so anything's possible, Matt. But these playoffs, they're around the corner. It's pretty exciting for you. Yeah, man, super exciting. I mean, the season would have ended already if it weren't for uh, this pandemic-riddled world that we live in. Um, (laughs) had to push out the season just a little bit further, um, going a little bit longer than they anticipated, but there's already like the central division's already done, man. It's already up and running. Everybody's already locked in 56 games played. Yeah. I was hearing that the North division playoffs are going to start a couple days later than the other ones. But of course that's for, you know, Vancouver and you know, all that jazz that's been happening. (laughs) Yeah, man, they're going to start the series, I guess on, on Sunday, and uh, Montreal, Toronto doesn't kick off until next Thursday. So quite a ways. Quite. Just a little bit of extra time for you to wait, you know, for fans to go at each other, jab and figure out what's going to happen before the actual puck drops for game one, right? Yeah, I think it's a big, big boost to the Montreal Canadiens, though, man. I mean, we'll we'll talk about it a little bit more when I get more into the NHL. Did you want to recap your uh, hot take from last week, man? Because I think you <sighs> cursed them. Man, I feel bad. I was hoping maybe we could skip over it because Zion's got an injury. I'll, I'll talk about it more later. Pelicans are, they're gone. So uh, yeah, my apologies, Pels fans. <laughs> hey man, you got to get a couple of them wrong every now and again. I actually broke my streak of being wrong so many times. I got Matthew's 40th goal, no problem. I mean, McDavid didn't need the full 55 games to hit 100 <laughs> points, but uh, kid did it anyways. Got 104 now. Jeez. Man, we were joking about if he's going to get to 110. Like, this man's is doing some crazy things. Matt, I think that you got all the luck last week where I took the hard curse. So we flip-flopped. We'll see what happens this week. I'm hoping not for my sake. But in terms of the hockey world, dude, it's, it's pretty crazy when you have stars like this putting up numbers. Yeah, man. So I'll just start with the COVID like we normally do. Three players on the list this week. Devin Dubnik, Jake Wallman, and Evgeny Kuznetsov. So nothing too big and drastic happening in the NHL. But yeah, except for the fact that McDavid's hit 104 points. Um, he's having, <coughs> excuse me there, the second 22nd best statistical individual scoring season in NHL history. There is not a single other player that has done it in the last 20 years. You got to go all the way back to Mary Lemieux in 2000, 2001 to find another top 50 season at 30. The guy's the best scorer in his entire lifetime. Nobody's put up these kind of points since 95, I think, is uh, Lemieux's last time putting up this kind of point-per-game pace. Wild. That is wild when you think about, you know, the players that this generation has seen and some of the talents, especially scoring-wise, for McDavid to be that good. Like, I mean, the numbers already show it, so I'm glad that he can have a statistical you know, record like yeah, this. Yeah, absolutely phenomenal for him. Though, I will say that 
during Crosby's prime, if he hadn't been cut short because of those concussion injuries, I bet you he would have a season up there because they were actually doing a comparison between uh, McDavid and Crosby for, through their first uh, four, six seasons in the NHL. And they're almost identical, man. I think Crosby had like two more goals, but McDavid had like two more assists. They almost identical points per game. It's pretty wild to see, actually. Did did Crosby have a cup yet at that point? Crosby had had been to two Stanley Cup finals and had a cup at that point. So he has got a little bit of a leg up on on the kid there. Well, I was just trying to think about the future, right? About how like if you know Crosby doesn't have this type of season and McDavid's already done it, like can he do it again possibly? And you know if Crosby was more of a team oriented aspect just to go win cups, or if it was just like man, this season is just that special. Man, it's a special season, but I mean not many people can can do what he does everybody's in in toronto's thinking like oh austin matthews is the second best player in the world he very well very well might be i might i might you know agree with that point there but he doesn't touch mcdavid man the guy's almost a full 40 points behind him in the scoring race so he has 41 goals but he is 40 points shy of mcdavid that's the playmaking on the ice right there and that's what makes him number one right it's just that he's a generating machine. He creates chances like nobody's business. Um, it's it's something spectacular to watch, man. Um, I don't think he's going to get out of his uh, his first-round matchup with Winnipeg. I'd be hard-pressed to put them over there, but who knows, man? I've been wrong before, and I'll be wrong again. Man, I mean, these playoffs, they're right here. It's going to be exciting. You talking about if Toronto can go all the way. We're talking about Edmonton versus Winnipeg. There's obviously, you know, your Canadians, and that's just the North Division. There's all these other teams. I'm obviously rooting for Tampa Bay as a Lightning fan that I am. I'm hearing all the rumors about the Carolina Hurricanes going all the way. Matt, talking about these playoffs that are coming up. Well, man, we talked about it a little last week, and I gave you my division winners. I do think Tampa's going to have a hard time with Florida in the first round. Um, I do think they'll probably squeak by to play Carolina, but I think that Carolina team is just too strong. I've got them actually coming out all the way to the Stanley Cup Finals, man. I mean, my four division winners are going to be Carolina, Pittsburgh, Colorado, and Toronto. I pray to God it's not Toronto, but every logical bone in my body is telling me to pick them. And then that would leave a Colorado-Toronto-Carolina-Pittsburgh series, and... I see Carolina coming out of that Pittsburgh series. I think Sebastian Ajo, Andrei Svechnikov, they get enough goaltending to outduel um, Sidney Crosby and Evgeny Malkin. And then I think Nathan McKinnon and Branton and Landis Cog, that line and the defensive core that they have with Kale McCarr, Samuel Girard, and it just keeps going deep. And Philip Grubauer, I think Colorado takes it to Toronto. And I think Colorado probably beats Carolina and wins the cup, man. I mean, that's my realistic take. Obviously, as the hopeless, optimistic uh, Habs fan that I am, I would love to see Montreal come out and beat Toronto and win the North and then go all the way to the Stanley Cup Finals. But it's looking like a pipe dream. Looking like a pipe dream. Hey, anything is possible. I, I find it funny, Matt, you talking about Colorado and how they're you know probably going to go all the way. And in my mind, I can't think of when Colorado was good since like the days of Joe Sackick. Yeah. Like, that's where my brain goes back to, right? So it's crazy how long it's been. If as, as someone who's not really a fan, that's what I see, right? 
I mean, 20 years uh, to have an uber competitive team like they do right now. A lot of people picked them as one of the Stanley Cup favorites last year, but they got booted out, I think, in the play-in series. They didn't even qualify for the playoffs because of that weird COVID-19 year. But yeah, man, Colorado's definitely going to be a tough out. But I do want to switch back to my Montreal Canadiens because I honestly believe that they have been blessed slightly. Blessed, eh? Oh, yeah. So they played 23 or 24 games in 44 nights. Okay. Wow. That was wow. a jam-packed schedule for when they came back from the COVID-19 break. And now, for the first time since February 25th, when Dominic Ducharme took over as head coach, they're actually going to have consecutive days of practice. They're actually going to have days off. They're going to be able to gel as a team. They're getting Shea Weber, Carey Price, Brendan Gallagher, Philip Deneau all back. Uh, nobody knows about Jonathan Druen and his his own personal issues. I still wish him best, and hopefully he does come back at some point in the playoffs. But, you know, this team is getting healthy at the right time. They're getting a break at the right time. I'm hoping Toronto takes them super lightly and Montreal can sneak out the first couple games and then just overpower them in a, in a six or seven game series because that would be my dream come true, my friend. The the logic is there, you know, the the blocks that you need to build up your championship tour, you know, it exists and it's exciting when a team that's dealt with problems can come together and, and really have some time to figure out their identity and going into a playoff series against a, a juggernaut like Toronto, they're going to need to pull out something special. But Matt, I believe it's possible. That's the beauty of it. Man, that's the beauty of hockey. Anything is possible. Just think back to two years ago when... Tampa Bay was the toast of the town. They dominated the regular season. They had the best statistical Ugh. regular season since like the 66 Canadians or something, man, which was one of the all-time great teams. And then they got swept <laughs> in the first round by Columbus, who literally edged out Montreal by a point in the final couple of days of the regular season to get that last playoff spot. And they just swept them. So anything is possible in the NHL. That still is like the creation of my favorite meme of the like, ladies and gentlemen, we got them of just like everybody saying that they had no hope that Tampa was going to roll over them. And it's just like, we got them so funny. I remember that, dude. So good, man. So good. And we actually have one of those players from that Columbus team in, in Josh Anderson, who is a big reason why the Leafs and the Lightning couldn't get past Columbus in consecutive years. So hopefully he can turn it up for the Montreal Canadiens and it's smooth sailing from there. Hey man, it'll be exciting. Maybe that kid Cole can put in some more goals for you. And I don't know if, you know, the week has been good to him or not, but uh, playoffs, they're coming, dude. Dude, he got his first multi-point game the other night in the season finale. Kid's got uh, five points in 10 games, four goals. He's got the most goals on the team since joining, uh, tied with Tyler Toffoli. And people are thinking that he's not even going to be in the playoffs. If they don't put them in the lineup, I don't know what the heck they're doing, man. Honestly, you know, you have some time like that. At least give them a chance. Like, let them fumble in one or two games, worst case Ontario. But it'll be exciting, dude. <laughs> yeah, man. You play to score goals and to win the game. And he's pretty good at scoring goals. Not gonna lie. <laughs> For sure, my man. Anything else with these playoffs? Any any uh, dark horses, secrets you want to tell me about? Nah, man, I think it's a pretty wide open race. So there's no real dark horse. Everybody's kind of a contender this year because of the playoff formatting. Um, but I'm down to jump on the hardwood. 
Perfect. Well, I'll move to COVID as I do one player this week. The numbers have been really low. That's what I like to see. Matt, me, myself, I've booked my appointment next Monday. I'm going to get my first vaccine shot. So I'm pretty excited about that. You know, we'll, we'll see how long it takes for my second appointment, but that's just Canada for you. Um, <laughs> At least you got one, right? That's the thing, man. With me and Allison, we got, you know, we're booked on the same day. We're going to go together and then come home and We'll see if we need to just spend all the next day watching movies being sick, but I'm excited for it just to happen because it's crazy how long that this, you know, pandemic has been going on. And I never, I was never really excited about when I was going to get my shot because I knew it was going to take a while, but I mean, for it to be here and now, I'm pretty happy about it. Yeah, definitely, man. I got to still book mine. I've been pretty lazy about it. (laughs) (sighs) Get on that, man. Come on, get on that. Anyways. Okay. Now, moving to coaching updates, because we have an update this week, Matt. I don't know if you've heard about it, but Dwayne Casey and the Pistons, they just agreed through an extension to 23-24. It's only one extra season, but they like his player development. They like what he's doing with the Pistons, and, you know, they're going to have another year of it. Hey, man, I've always been a huge Dwayne Casey fan. I didn't think that the Raptors should have let him go the way that they did, Um he brought our team into the best era of Raptors basketball that we have ever watched. So I'm a huge, huge fan, probably a great move for Detroit. He'll probably be there probably past 2024. Mark my words. There you go. It'll be smart to do it. There is no Raptors championship without the foundation that that man built with Lowry and DeRozan. So, you know, excited for him to get another year. And you're probably right, Matt. If the Pistons can figure themselves out and maybe come out of this tanking that they're doing, they'll have a good coach with a good team in three, four years, maybe. I don't know. They got the draft picks. They got some some player development happening out there, um, making some trades. We'll see what happens. Anything's possible. Anything is possible. All right, now. To the curse, Zion, Pals fans, I'm so sorry. You've been eliminated from the playoffs. Zion, he's out indefinitely. It's so unfortunate, you know. We thought that maybe this time it would be right for them, but it's it, and it's unfortunate, my dude. Yeah, big unfortunate events for Zion, man. Especially with his injury history and everyone thinking about him. I don't want him to not play for the next 15 years. That guy is too good, too entertaining. It would just be the worst if he couldn't stay healthy for his career, man. I mean, we had a conversation in like episode six of this podcast about Zion and what he can do and if he can avoid the injury bug. And I'm not going to say that it's scary the amount of injuries that he's had, because the amount of talent that we see from him and the things that he's doing on the court are unreal, but man, it's it's not something you want to see in year two. No, man, especially after he missed year one with so much, but it's just a fractured finger, so it's not like it's his knee or his foot or anything. Um, but still, just don't don't like to see it. Yeah. Now moving to the east. We've got to talk about Jalen Brown. We've got to talk about the Celtics. He's having surgery in that ligament in his left wrist that's been causing him issues. He's going to be out three months. No playoffs for him, and that's going to be a big deal for the Celtics in the playoffs. That sucks for him. Who He was having such a great season. I mean, he really took to the forefront of actually being an all-star this year. He's always been a fringe all-star, but this year really claimed it. 
And that's just the worst way to have it end. Worst way with your team battling for that final playoff spot and you're going to be out. It's going to be tough to watch it, man, if they don't make it. Boston is really going to have to rely on Kemba and Marcus Smart to step up and make up for these moments because you're right. He was having an incredible season and Brown was really becoming that, you know, second punch to that one, two with Tatum and him. So it's tough to see. And it's, I mean, obviously it's Boston, so it's whatever, but I'm more upset for him, especially. Yeah, man. Never want to see good players get hurt. Um, Don't love his team, but Hey, want to see, (laughs) see great basketball players play. Exactly. That's what we're in for now. The last mention for injuries is Oladipo. Uh, His right quad has been bothering him, so he's going to have surgery. They're shutting him down. And, you know, that's rough for Miami, who's, you know, with Boston right there, also fighting and dealing with this injury bug. Mm -hmm. And it's on the same leg that he had the knee issue on, which is unfortunate because that could mean that there's probably some, some, uh, elongated side side effects from that knee and uh, it's just not good for his career especially with the slow start that he had and then the couple seasons where he really showed out as an all-star it's it's tough to see that my brain and every part of me still hurts anytime I see that injury because I remember watching it live and just like oh the way his leg shake like it's nothing you want to see and it's really sad hopefully this surgery can set him right because he wants to be in Miami and I think he has one more year on his contract. So at the end of next season, he's going to be a free agent. So it's going to be interesting to see how this affects both him and the team next year, let alone how the team is going to have to deal with not having a player of his caliber going into this playoff slash potential play-in. Somebody who they targeted at the trade deadline too, you know? Like that's mm-hmm. a really tough loss for them. Big loss. I mean, I know that they've been missing Kelly Olynyk a little bit, who's been doing great things over for the Rockets, but I don't want to get too ahead of myself, Matt. The only other thing I have to bring... Actually, there's two things. Well, I, I'm getting ahead of myself. There's two things I want to bring up before we get into the games, Matt. Obviously, the Timberwolves were just purchased. I think the report came out this morning. A-Rod, for, baby! Yeah, $1.5 billion. Jeez. A-Rod, former MLB star, is splitting it 50-50 with Mark Lore, who, if you don't know, Matt, uh, he was a Walmart CEO, and he's also into air mobility tech. Like, he's a big tech giant that way. But this could be the right answer for this T-Wolves team. New ownership. <laughs> oh, man, they've got a lot more issues than ownership. Uh, we'll see what, what happens with them. We'll see if they can turn it around. They've got some good building blocks in D-Lo, Ant-Man, and Cat. Uh, but... Man, they've been bad for so long, and they've had great players, too. It's not like they're the Raptors who just can't keep good players. They've been able to keep some good players for the majority of their careers and still have done nothing. I mean, Cat is such a star and, you know, deals with the injury bug consistently, and that's what's kept him out of, you know, him and the team out of the limelight. So, yeah, hopefully this will be good for the T-Wolves, but obviously got to bring it up because this has been an ongoing saga for months, Matt, whether or not this was actually going to go through as a sale. Yeah, glad to see it it go through, though, man. I love to see A-Rod own an NBA team. That's pretty cool. Oh, yeah, I can't wait for, uh, you know, everything to get back to normal so he can be courtside just uh, rooting him on. That'll be the future, eh? (laughs) Him and Mark Cuban, baby. Hey, so true. All right, so... Moving on, Matt, 
Um, the NBA just announced this morning, I believe, the creation of a Kareem Abdul-Jabbar Social Justice Champion. Now, this award is going to be given out annually to a player for, quote, pursuing social justice and upholding the league's decades-long values of equality, respect, and inclusion. Now, the winner, because there's going to be five nominees uh, that are going to go into the finalists, is going to get $100,000 for a charity of their choice, and each of those other four finalists are going to get $25,000 for their choice. This pool of players is going to come out of every single team, so each team is going to select one player to be nominated, and then they're all going to come together and be voted on a panel, but I think this is a pretty awesome award to be created. Yeah, super cool, man. I love the fact that they named it the Kareem Abdul-Jabbar Award. Um, I love the fact that they're going to be giving out money to charities and that they promote social justice. The league has already taken a big step in the forefront of, of leading social change. So it's just nice to see that continuing. And man, NBA is all about inclusion and equity. So got to love it. Got to keep that up and, and got to put that more ingrained into our society because that's what we need. Exactly, exactly. And Kareem himself was a massive advocator for social justice. So it's great to see him be, you know, appreciated and honored in this way. And, you know, I know he himself was super excited and came out saying that how, you know, valued and honored he was for this type of award. So got to bring that up, Matt. But take me into the games last week because we're coming down to the wire and there are some banger performances happening with teams that absolutely need it at the end of these games. Yeah, man. Well, you got the top of the table Nets playing the bottom bottom playoff table Dallas, and Dallas is looking to just squeak out of that play-in tournament. And that was a big win that they had, 113-109 versus Brooklyn. Kyrie dropped 45 points, but Luka Doncic and Tim Hardaway combined for 47 together and got the win, man. I mean, pretty wild considering Luca had an O of six stretch in the third, but Luca did Luca things and got them the win. Uh, I'm looking at you know the fact that the Mavericks have six players in double digits, getting Luca the support he needs to get these W's, and you know Kyrie Kyrie going off for 45 is a lot, and obviously you know this is pre before Harden can come back, and Kevin Durant had a okay night i mean he went seven for 21 so that was never great but you know this was a big win big big win for the mavs early on last week yeah man to keep them pushing towards that sixth uh seed in the west and keep them out of that play and that's going to be interesting to see if the lakers fall into it man we're we're gonna roll into the play-in conversation after reviewing these games because it's getting spicy and even if you're on the east there is a war being fought for the last few spots in the NBA playoffs. It definitely is, man. And speak of a war, last year's seven-game series between Utah and Denver was won. And Denver lost to Utah without Donovan Mitchell or Mike Conley. I mean, the Joker had a good game. He had 24-9-13. Porter, 31 points, was feeling himself from deep. But, man, Utah just pulling it out. I love how you're like, Jokic had a good day, good game. Guy had 24 points on 9 for 11 shooting. Hit both of his three-pointers. Like, you know, he had that nice second in Michael Porter, but 
if you look over on the Jazz side, like, if Bogdanovich doesn't have a career high in 48 points, like, this is a classic Jokic-Nuggets game where he pulls it all together and gets them the win. So, you know, the Jazz squeak out in this one. 48 points, though, by Bogdanovich. I mean, 8 of 11 on threes and very efficient on uh, 16 of 23 shooting. You're right. He did sneak out that win for the Utah Jazz, but you would think that the MVP candidate in Yoker would have been able to get him get him past, you know? I mean, he's he's saving a little bit for the playoffs, you know. Oh, he's fair. already proved himself that he's the MVP, but no, honestly, this game was just, you know, another reason why the Jazz are so good at what they do. Like their three-point barrage that they're able to put up, like I'm sorry, 46% from the field, putting in 21 of them, like yeah. The Nuggets shot 45%, but just, I mean, if you watch enough Utah games from this season, you would understand why they're so good and why they're sitting top of the table. The volume of threes and the rate at which they put them down, you can't, you can't beat that in today's NBA. But we go from one MVP candidate to the other, and Joel Embiid, man, he needed all of that 37 and 13 against the New New Orleans Pelicans who didn't have Zion or Brandon Ingram, and nobody particularly showed out for them that game. What do you think it was? I'm going to shout out Jackson Hayes. You know, 23 minutes, 19 points, 8 rebounds, 3 assists on 8 for 16. But you're right. The Pelicans were undermanned, missing important pieces, and Embiid had to work. He had to work. I mean, 12 free throw attempts. He got to the line. He did his job. Danny Green was trying out there, but guy could not hit a three. Like, unfortunately, part of his life has been, even though he's an amazing shooter and I love Danny Green and his his percentages will tell you that he's always going to be the guy, you know, at the last second to hit that three-point shot. Unfortunately, in the past two, you know, few years, it has just not been there for him since getting that ring with us. Yeah, no? Yeah, man. He did hit a clutch three towards the end of the game. Him and Tobias Harris went back to back that uh helped philly take overcome them for the for the close win at 109 107 because for most half first half of that game philadelphia pretty much took it to them and i think they fell asleep in the third but when it counted they were there but that's it right like it's it's them falling asleep missing a couple of shots realizing that oh no we're in trouble, but then still having the right pieces and the right situations to get themselves in to pull that win out. And that's why Philly is sitting at the top of the East right now, because they have worked the hardest and they have Joel Embiid, that MVP candidate. It's it's tight up there, but I think they're gonna they're gonna nail that one number one seed down and it's gonna be fine. Ah I would have loved to see them fall out though. Gonna embarrass me from my take earlier in the season before everything was happening, but ah, we'll get to that eventually. One day, Matt, you can rip on me for saying that Philly wasn't going to make these playoffs, especially if they go all the way. Oh, having them below the Raptors, my friend, come on, come on. All right. All right. Just lean into me. You're lucky. You're lucky. You got that fantasy championship win over me, man, or else I'd be really ripping into you. I mean, Hey, that may have been the worst thing I said, but also I had a lot of confidence in the Hawks, in the Hornets. I mean, I didn't believe in the Knicks, but, you know, some things I had going on. So I may have been, like, you know, awful when it came to the top of the table in Philly, but at least I got some of the middling teams in the East. <laughs> a middling team, man, that you... Oh, you had the money, I think. The Washington Wizards, man. Westbrook 
tying Oscar Robertson Robertson's record for most triple doubles in a career with 33-19 and 15 against Indiana and a 133-132 overtime win. Just wild, my friend. He's an ageless wonder. It was a banger. An OT thriller. Bradley Beal gets 50 points and a win. But what? it's gotta be it's gotta be Westbrook, right? The conversation has to be about what he has been doing to get this team into the playoffs. Now, part of it is obviously this, you know, slightly, you know, less important race of him becoming like the greatest triple double, you know, player of all time and surpassing a legend in Oscar Robertson, who might I note, Matt, is four, five inches taller than Westbrook. So I mean Westbrook's been putting in work, that's for sure. Man, has he been putting in work his whole career. He had that down downspin for about a year, year and a half, I guess. But he wasn't even really that down statistically. People just got down on him about winning, and I still don't know if you can win with the guy. But, <laughs> man, does he give everything he has to that basketball court. And I just, I love it. It was beautiful. I mean, you know, looking at the Pacers side, we have to shout out Sabonis with that triple-double, 30 points, 13 rebounds, 13 assists. Karis LeVert also had yeah. 35 points, which is exciting for him. But 14 know, rebounds and 8 assists, too. Almost had the triple-double. Right? Like, this Pacers team is struggling with their talent, with their rotations, missing their key pieces. And, you know, for, for Bjorkren to come out and put this team together and make them have a respectable fight with the Wizards in a very important game, like, it's awesome to see. But once again, Westbrook stealing the show. Yeah, man, hit those two free throws at the end and got the block. It's what it's all about. Winning time, baby. Ain't that a fact. All right. Shall we move to the second game on Saturday that was absolutely exciting to watch between Brooklyn and Denver? Yeah, man. I mean, it was a great start for Denver. They really took it to them in the first half, and they were leading by 20-plus at certain points. But big third quarter for the Nests, and, you know, Katie and Kyrie going to do their thing down the stretch and just can't catch them there. Yo, Katie iced their team with five free throws in the last 30 seconds. Like, no problem we just mm, mm, okay go home get out of here we got the win like this Nets team is is such a sleeping giant they're so scary nobody really knows what exactly we're gonna get out of them when the playoffs are on the corner but they are a three-headed monster and the fourth head is Joe Harris the potential best shooter on that team I mean with KD you can't say he's the best shooter but like pure shooter strong win exactly maybe yeah yeah he might be Joe Harris, you're right, man. Pulling his weight from three-point. He was one of the reasons why they won that game. I mean, the Joker, at one point, it was, I think, 119 to 121, and he missed a, he missed a, a tight three-pointer to take the lead. Um, so that was tough, but yeah, man, you're right. KD at the end just icing the game, ice in his veins, and him and, him and Irving don't even need hard. So having him back gonna be scary bro ain't that a fact and this is a game map that you know if we think about without the playing tournament these two teams sitting second and fourth they would probably have been happy to play a little bit less you know do a little bit less in these games and so this is an indirect better game because of the plans because these teams want to fight for just that tiny little bit higher of a seed still yeah man gotta keep pushing as much as you can I mean, talk about Miami and Boston the next night on Sunday. I mean, 
Miami's got to put Boston down so they, they can secure that fifth seed, man. Make sure that they're not in the play-in tournament, which they did. Great game um, for Miami. Just not a great one for Boston. I mean, it was a scary game in the end of the fourth quarter for Miami because, like, when you get outscored 40-25 to 25 in the fourth, like, Boston was coming back and they wanted this game, but you're right, the Heat hold them off, you know. Great numbers across the board for their whole team. I think they have, like, six players or so in double digits. And looking on the side of the Celtics, like, you know, Fournier has a great game, you know, obviously you know, showing why he was picked up at the deadline, but they were missing Jalen Brown. They were missing, you know, put put Taco Fall in. The fans love Taco. Like, I don't know what's going to happen with this Boston team, but this game was a great example of how they are just lacking right now. Yeah, man. And, you know, they made it a, a competitive game towards the end with that big comeback, comeback in the second half, but they didn't lead at any point in that game. And Miami had a 26-point lead at one point. That's really rough for a team that is just hanging on to that final play in seed or that top play in seed right in the out in the east it's pretty tough for them right now yeah and it puts the heat in a really interesting position because they're kind of fighting with the knicks and the hawks for that potential fourth seed now i don't want to get into it too much now i could talk about it later but it's just going to be really exciting and so i am pumped with this playing tournament and the the conversations it's created and the challenges it's created for some of these teams on if they can keep it up rather than just coasting their way and getting prepared for the playoffs. Like it's going to create some bangers, which we've gotten to see. Yeah, man, it's going to create real bangers. And I know the New York Knicks uh, clinched their first playoff seed and since the first time since 2013 and they're all excited, but if they can't get out of that six seed and they're facing the Milwaukee Bucks in the first round, I don't think they're going to be too excited about that. Man, Knicks fans are praying that they can find their way. Like, Everyone, in my opinion, wants Miami to be the sixth seed because they're still a threat to the Bucks with what happened last year, right? And then you get the Knicks and the Hawks get to battle it out, and then hopefully the Bucks are gone, which is not going to happen because Giannis is going to will his team pretty far this year in the playoffs, in my humble opinion. And I think that guy is ready for it this year. I think he's been holding back this season. And he is going to explode. And Steph Curry, man, been exploding for the past month and a half. In a game where he's not the leading scorer in the game, they still pull it out against one of the best teams in the NBA. GS, Utah, big game. I love, I love that you're like not the leading scorer. Still puts up 36 points. Like, yeah, Clarkson, pure shooting, 41 points, great. But Steph Curry absolutely unreal he had that beautiful late three-pointer for the win with 14 seconds left like you just can't do that to him man can't give him two shots at it he missed the first then they got the steal draymond gave it right back to him can't give him two man he's going to hit one because it's just steph curry man he was only three of 13 from deep that entire game but hits it when it counts man he didn't even hit the most impressive shot of the night though because jordan Poole had that 52 foot shot to close out the third quarter like you know obviously hanging out with curry and having some fun three-point shots outside of when the games are being played hey man i would if, if i put on team of stuck curry i'd be like teach me teach me 
just waking him up at 6 a.m. Steph, I want to go shoot shots. Let me sleep. Oh, go away. That would be you. <laughs> oh, yeah, man. But what was wild to me is that GS outscored Utah 26 to 14 in the final six minutes of that game. Just crazy to take the dub. I mean, that's how you have to do it. Like, part of that probably comes down to Utah, you know, living and dying by the three-pointer, which still might kill them in the playoffs. A lot of teams will think that. But, you know, when when Utah's on, that's not going to happen. And, you know, unfortunately it does for them, and they take it out. Yeah. That's okay, man. They're still going to be the number one seed in the NBA. Sadly. I wanted, I wanted Phoenix, Matt. I wanted the Suns to push through, but... They just haven't done it this week, unfortunately. They had that tough game against uh, GS the next night. Um, I'm going to skip that Atlanta-Washington game. Even though it was a banger on the 10th, it was pretty crazy to see Westbrook and and Trey Young go back and forth. Really good game. But, man, when you got a Canadian scoring 38-7-3 in Andrew Wiggins and actually looking like, the number one overall draft pick that he was supposed to be. How can we not talk about that game? When GS, the eight seed, took out one and two on consecutive nights. That, and that's the biggest deal, right? Is what, what Curry was able to do. And you're right, that Washington-Atlanta game, besides Westbrook breaking the record, you know, he still missed the game-winning three, so there's still that blemish on his record. But going into the next night, talking about Golden State, taking down a Phoenix team that really wanted to push for that number one seed, a team that is absolutely loving their acquisition of Chris Paul. Like, Steph Curry is going to potentially be the scariest player going into this play-in tournament. He definitely is, man. I mean, LeBron and AD are going to be in that tournament too, but LeBron, he said it himself, man, he'll never be 100% again. And AD not looking anywhere close to what he was in last year's playoffs. So if I'm the Lakers, I'm getting really nervous if I'm in the seven and GS is in the eight. I mean, it's oh, I'm, we're going to talk about the plan after we get through the rest of these games because it is next week and it is going to be so exciting. But yeah, Matt, that, that Phoenix team, I really wanted it for them. Golden State gets the win. Last night, Wednesday... You know, not too much going on. Obviously, the Lakers sneak out a win with no AD or LeBron. A couple of big moments from those other stars, but everyone's just kind of looking for the future, looking for this play-in now. Against the Rockets, though. Like, that's tough, man. That's tough for the Lakers to swallow against the Rockets only winning by two. Like, oh, man. But you had some good performances that night. So, when Westbrook's 34-15-5. and five. Young's 33, 9, and 8. James Harden with the bounce back uh, with his first game back, 18, 7, 11, with two steals and two blocks. Looking I mean, great. Yeah, just looking like he doesn't even miss a beat. He's so good, man. This team, it could... I think they're not, they're not going to do it because they haven't played together enough. But hey, like I said earlier, I've been wrong before and I'll be wrong again. Matt, if the Brooklyn Nets win a championship, it will go against the classic defense wins championships mentality because this team sucks defensively. So They're just most likely going to outscore every team they're going to face. And you can do that when you have some of the greatest shooters, greatest scorers, greatest playmakers of this generation. So it's going to be wild, Matt. going to be wild. 
absolutely wild, man. But that was pretty much the week that was. That play-in tournament is heating up, man. The first couple games are going to be next week before we record. record. What's your prediction for those play-in? Okay, so let's start in the West, because obviously everyone is like, oh my gosh, the West is amazing. There are, I'm going to say six teams still in the race, all right? And the best part is every one of these teams has a star has a main guy has somebody who is in the conversation when you've got lebron and the lakers dame and the trailblazers curry and the warriors as like the big three that everyone's looking at but then you've also got luca Ja, and then my boy damar trying to bring the spurs back into relevancy like the west is going to be absolutely fantastic for these couple of games that we're going to get to watch man i think it's going to be pretty wild out west but I think it might just stay the way it is with, I mean, maybe the Lakers flopping with GS, but I think I think uh, Memphis and, and San Antonio and Sacramento are just kissing the playoffs goodbye at this point. It's going to be a fun 9-10 game between the Grizzlies and the Spurs, but they're basically just playing for the right to lose to LeBron or Steph Curry, depending on how that games go. But Lakers-Warriors, one game to decide who gets to play the Suns three I guess. games or three no they the top seeded the seven seed only needs to win one to secure mm-hmm. the seven but if the eight wins two out of three then they get the eight you're right you're right I'm, at least I'm that's not, what i remember <laughs> i don't know either way either way the fact that the lakers and the warriors are going to get to have one game and then depending on how that happens the winner goes up and the other one goes down like you know, I was talking about how it would have been super exciting to have Zion be a potential knocker for LeBron or Curry, but to start the potential quote unquote playoffs for the Western Conference with LeBron versus Curry in a one game takes all, make it into the playoffs game, like that to me is fantastic. And, you know, hats off to Adam Silver for that one. Yeah, man, LeBron's not going to like it, but <laughs> man, is it going to be entertaining basketball? It's. Probably going to be a little bit more entertaining than the East. Uh, You got the Boston versus Charlotte game and Indiana versus Washington. I think Washington's going to sneak into that playoffs, man. I think they're going to win the play-in tournament against uh, Indiana, and then they probably beat the the loser of Charlotte-Boston, in my opinion. As it sits now, yeah, that's that's most likely how it would go. Obviously, <laughs> Matt, the Bulls are still in it. <laughs> no, they're not. I know. Raptors have been officially eliminated. <laughs> Bulls, thank you. You're doing a good job winning games. Uh, we'll, we'll joke about you in Raptors chat shortly. But, you know, they could, if they if they win all their games and the Wizards lose all their games, which isn't going to happen, they could s- still make it in. But no. Hornets, Boston, that first game is going to be spicy because I, I really like Charlotte, Matt. I have a lot of confidence in this team. Lamelo's back. Like... They've got some some no name names that could make some moves in that in that first round of the play in, and then yeah, I've been saying it for a few weeks now. And this Wizards team, I believe in them, and you know it'll all depend on if Boston can make it out or not because they're like the juggernaut of these teams. In all honesty, yeah, Boston is the juggernaut, quote unquote. But they've been having the most trouble of late, man. Uh, I could see them falling out, but I think it would take. A little bit more than than what Charlotte, Washington, and Indiana have. So my predictions are Boston probably sticks in that seventh, and then Washington squeaks right into the eighth. 
I mean, I've got I've got Hornets and Wizards, so we've got it a little bit different there, Matt. But it's gonna be super exciting come this time next week. Yeah, very man. You know what is gonna be exciting for us as Raptors fans? The draft, June twenty second. We took three straight L's this week. The tank continues. We now have the seventh overall pick in the NBA draft without the lottery taking place. So we might be able to move up. Tell me about the week that was. So I want to start, Matt, just by saying that hopefully we can keep this seventh seed. Thank you, Bulls. I just want to put a couple names. Seventh picks, Jamal Murray, Julius Randle, Steph Curry. Eighth picks, best ones I could find. Terry Dissinger, Jamal Crawford, Terrence Ross. Like, yeah, a little bit different. We're also, you know, in the second pick, you know, we could get a Ben McLemore compared to a Brandon Knight or a Marquise Chris. So there's that. But anyways, the games that we played were interesting, Matt, because... We took three L's, yes, but we didn't take three stomps. We faced a Golden State team. Oh, no, wow. Bleh, bleh. Shut me down. We faced, we faced a Wizards team that obviously needs their wins, and Westbrook is doing Westbrook things, right? Like, he fouled out at the end, but 13 points, 17 rebounds, 17 assists. Guy had seven turnovers trying to get that triple-double, but, you know, this week has really just been about our young guys, Kem Birch having fun, Gary Trent liking shots left and right, and the return of Boucher on Tuesday. But otherwise, Matt, competitive games, L's left and right. Yeah, man, but it was also probably Siakam's best game of the season. I mean, 44-11-7 on 17 of 28. The guy hasn't been that efficient scoring that many points since last year. So that's kind of nice to see, even though it comes in like a a know-nothing game. Um, Jalen Harris leading that second unit in the Memphis game, man. This kid looks like he could be a future Norman Powell-esque player for us. Does he get you that excited like he's getting me that excited? I mean, he does. We we talked about at the beginning, right, during the draft time, how we really liked Harris versus Flynn. And I think the games that we've seen from him have proven how he was a little bit more NBA-ready. But we have to wait and see where the potential goes, right? Like, I've enjoyed that they've let Flynn handle the ball as much as he had in the past few weeks. And... You know, in that Grizz game, with Harris playing 29 minutes and getting 16 points, 6 rebounds, and 4 assists, you love it when you look at Flynn getting 15 points, 7 rebounds, and 3 assists. Like, you know, the bench unit was working. Siakam had that shoulder strain in the fourth quarter, so, I mean, I don't know what Mm -hmm. that's going to mean. Hopefully, it just means that he's going to sit out the rest of the season and will tank more, but, you know, we played a lot of these games without Lowry, without OG, without Fred, like... It's awesome that we can be competitive, and that's my favorite part, and that's what I take out. Shout out, Matt, to JV with that 18.21 rebound triple or double-double against us. I miss you. You know, we wish you were still too. part of us. Oh, so much. <laughs> Dude, every time we play Memphis and I see him <laughs> dominate, I think to myself, oh, how? Why? It was for the Mark, championship. You it killed was for us. the championship. Uh, but yeah. Uh, it all worked out in the end, though. You're right. Yeah, I have to shut him out, though, because we miss him all the time. And then going into that Clippers game on Tuesday, you know, they led the entire way. Um, the highlight of the night, obviously, was the return of Chris Boucher, who had 16.7 rebounds. Now, he did go two for nine on threes, so Trey Boucher was not hitting that night. But, you know, it was a team effort from the boys. We had six players in double digits without our four main guys. And the other two players that played, since we had eight total, had nine points. So, you know, Nick Nurse getting to play his rotation 
against a tough team that we we took the L against. Yeah, I mean, it is what it is, man. When we don't have OG Ananobi, Kyle Lowry, Pascal Siakam, Fred Van Vliet, like, what are you going to do, right? Like, the Clippers, when they're playing Leonard and George and Beverly and their full friggin' lineup, like, we're going to take the L. Right. It's okay. Nurse did let Gary Trent shoot. Like, he went one for seven from threes. It was just not his night. But I was glad that he was at least getting the opportunity. Like, fans, a lot of Toronto fans are ripping on Gary right now for his recent struggles with his percentages. But calm down. He's been given the green light to shoot whatever he wants, and he's been trying to figure it out. He had that 42-point game. We know when he's feeling it and he's on, he can do that. So let him have these bad games. Let him figure out what works and what doesn't, especially in a dying season where these games do not matter. You know? Absolutely, man. I mean... You're 100% right. The season doesn't matter. The kid is, what, 22 years old? He's already dropped a 40-point game this season with us. He's had multiple 20-plus games with us. He was a big-time performer for Portland in the playoffs last year. I'm a big fan of his, and he's just going to keep developing in this free reign and ample opportunity to shoot his shot. Like It's just going to make him better in the long run. Gotta love it. All right, Matt. So what is what is your contract offer for Gary Trent Jr. then? Ooh. I know it's a toughie, Matt. Think about it for a second while I, you know, randomly spout out words to give you some time. Because he's a great player, but he is going to be a restricted free agent. And we got to figure out what his value is. Oh, I would try and lock him up as long-term as I possibly could. Maybe an OG and an OB type deal could work with him. Still so happy about that OG deal. Five years, 90 million, something like that. Maybe a little bit more, maybe 100 million. He's a young guy and he's proven that he can score at this level. So he's a piece. going to be tough. He's a piece for our future, Matt. And I hope the Raptors figure it out. Obviously, there's going to be the conversation about Masai and what's happening with him, but I don't even want to bother bringing it up because he's either going to sign or he's not. There's no reason to speculate about it. Matt, we got three games left on the season. All right. Tonight versus Chicago. Wait, we're playing them right now. Uh, are we down? Are we down? Oh, we're down by three points in the first. Okay, good work, Toronto. You're currently leading the tank. I really hope Chicago wins this game, Matt, because if they do, we basically walk in the seventh seed and it's on to the lottery for us, you know? Hey, man, speaking of Jalen Harris, guys already got 10 of our 20 points tonight. No way. Love it. Yeah, four of five, two of three from deep. Guys killing it right now. Getting the starting opportunity. Oh, Nick Nurse, I hope you're listening right now because, oh, I mean, actually, I hope you're not. I hope you're working hard and leading our team to a L while still getting good points. But anyways, we've also got Dallas who, you know, Luca. that's all I can really say for that team. Hopefully they get the W and Luca puts up numbers and I get to watch a fun game. And then to close it out, we've got the Pacers on Sunday. Matt, I'm hoping that, you know, we just let them get a nice boost before their play-in tournament, and hopefully we go 0 for 3. Yeah, man, hopefully we go for 0 for 3. We we keep it a little bit worse in the lottery. I'd love to see that draft pick get even higher if we could, but yeah, man, at this point, it's the end, and, you know, the Toronto Raptors didn't even miss the playoffs this year. It was the Tampa Bay Raptors, so don't even worry. (laughs) Yeah, hopefully we can, uh, you know, keep playing our young guys, rest our mains, wipe our hands clean of Tampa, although the rumors are that we'll be there for a little while, but who knows. Matt, I do have to say that two years ago yesterday was Kawhi Leonard's shot, the greatest moment potentially in Raptors history, so 
Shout out happy to shot day. Oh, a happy shot day. I, I still remember what I was doing watching that shot. So, yeah, man, same. On a in my basement, about to watch the Game of Thrones uh, season finale, I think, in season seven. Yep. <laughs> and just watching it on my laptop, waiting, waiting. Oh, what a moment! Man. Oh! Allison's in the main room, like, the episode is starting. I'm in the kitchen, like, eating my steak dinner with, like, the shot, the shot, the game on my little phone. And she's like, are you gonna come watch? And I'm like, hold up, hold up, hold up. I, I gotta watch, like, man. It's crazy the different you know, ride that we've been on since that shot and the roller coaster like season we went on. But yeah, hopefully we can wash our hands clean with Tampa and, and move back to the six. Yeah, buddy, because this is where it's at. Jurassic Park, the fans, we need them in Toronto. Perfect. All right. Shall we move into some takes and uh, try to see if we can get some things right? See if the curse is working one way or the other. Yeah, man. I'm going to go back on something that I said earlier with my little mystic prediction here. I'm going to put the Pacers into that eight seed just for the end of the season, though. So it's going to be Boston Pacers and Charlotte Washington. Ooh, and you're still saying that Washington's getting out? Yes. Okay, okay. Well, I like it. It'll be interesting. I mean, we'll know this answer by this time next week. Matt, on my side of things, the Celtics are going to miss the playoffs. They're going to fall. That Jalen Brown injury is going to be too much to overcome. I don't know when exactly it's going to happen, but at some point in the plan, they're going to fall behind and lose. And that great record that they've been holding on in their playoffs the past few years, it's it's going to end. Sorry, Boston. Damn, dude. I mean, you know how I feel about Boston teams. So sometimes I got to hit them with it, right? Hey, man, I'm all about it. Hit them, Boston teams. If 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 they remember at the beginning of the season, you know, when we were like two weeks in before things were going to happen, I was saying that Boston was going to be the number one seed. So, hey, I gave them their opportunity and they fell flat for me. So I'm done with them. Never again. Exactly. <laughs> all right. Anything else, my dude? No, nah, man, you can wrap us up. Perfect. Well, thanks everybody for being here. Check out more from us at theboardsports.net for new episodes and blog posts. Like and subscribe if you're listening from YouTube and follow us on Twitter and Facebook at The Board Sports. And we'll talk to you next time.